This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Wisdom Tree Coaching. If your organization needs coaching for your managers to get them through those hurdles and focus factors, please visit our sponsor, Wisdom Tree Coaching, to check out their options for individual coaching and group and team coaching. They also offer their really popular course, Coaching as a Discipline for Managers. For more information, check them out at wisdomtreecoaching.com or you can call them at 304 304- 549-4630. Welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, where we talk to great bosses and those who build great bosses about what it takes to be a great boss. And now, here is your host, the founder and CEO of Boss Builders, Mac Monroe. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you who are in the role and are struggling with it, and those of you who might even be thinking about going into that role in the near future. You know, a lot of what we talk about on the Boss Builder Podcast has to do with leadership, and today is no exception. Today, our guest is Dave Maurer. Dave Maurer is the author of the book, Watering Rocks, How to Fail and Succeed as a Leader. Dave's got a really interesting background. He did a number of years as an army officer. He's got a lot of experience in corporate America. He's got a lot of experience working with transitioning military veterans. And his book gives us a lot of really interesting lessons about what it takes to be a successful leader. In the really, really fun interview we're gonna do, he talks about the title, what the title means. It probably means something very different than what you think. He's also gonna share some of what he sees as challenges in the future for leaders and even talk about one of the leaders he respects most out of his entire career. So with no further delay, let's meet our special guest, Dave Maurer. Dave Maurer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mac, and thanks for having me on today. No, this is great. Dave, you've written a book recently. The book is entitled Watering Rocks, and I want to ask you lots of questions about the book. But before we do that, I was wondering if you might be able to share some of your background with our listeners, because you have a really interesting background. Uh, Well, sure. And some of that is, I think, a a factor of age more than than anything else. Uh, But I uh, I was a career Army officer, served for 22 years, retired uh, back in 1999, and then... uh, Started working as a federal government contractor here in the D.C. area, as many of us have done. And I've been very fortunate. I, I landed on my feet and I've been able to stay in the, in the world of the military uh, ever since, uh, working with military healthcare systems for a while and most recently working with uh, military career transition processes, uh, helping our armed forces and their spouses try to be as successful as they can be in their second careers once they separate or retire from the from the military. So I've been I've been around the my uh, uh, my folks for a long time. I'm I'm the product of two military members. I've got three boys, two of whom are on active duty in the army. And as I said, I served for for a couple of decades. So it's in my blood, and this just gives me a chance to continue to serve. That's great. Well, the title of your book is Watering Rocks, How to Fail and Succeed as a Leader. Now, where did you come up with that unusual title? And tell us what the book's about. Well, the the title actually uh, stems from a song that I just happened to hear. I I think it was called uh, Disneyland by Five for Fighting. And there was a a phrase in there that said that 
something along the lines. I woke up and water woke up and uh, watered the rocks in my head, and it kind of stuck with me <clears throat> for some reason. And and I think what it resonate why it resonated with me is that watering rocks as a kind of a metaphor uh, for me for how so many people who consider themselves good leaders, even great leaders. Um, want to take on some of the more difficult and challenging people in an organization who have perhaps previously not been successful and uh, and claim that, hey, I, I can use my skills and my abilities and my time and I can fix that person and I can turn them into into more than they have been. And, and often that works, but sometimes it doesn't. And I think that uh, I have found over time that we spend sometimes an inordinate amount of time watering rocks, so to speak, trying to make something grow out of the rock when there's nothing there. And that, that person is just not salvageable. It's, it's unfortunate, but it does happen. And the, the consequences of that uh, can be serious. If, if you spend too much time um, trying to fix something or someone who is broken in that case, um, it's often at the expense of, of good and even wonderful um, people in your organization. And the, the good people might wonder, wow, why am I working so hard if I'm not getting any of the attention? And the really good people, the great people tend to leave because they don't want to be part of an organization that, uh, that doesn't recognize their, their efforts. And so that's, that's kind of what I meant by watering rocks. It's kind of a, a visual for me of don't spend too much time uh, trying to fix something that you can't fix. No, I love that. I think that's uh, a lot of the traps that some of my audience finds themselves in is they just, they, they have this heart for people and say, I want to see the potential in them, but you're suggesting that some of them may in fact just not ever turn out and not to devote a lot of time at the expense of your superstars. So thank you for that. Now the subtitle, it says how to fail and succeed as a leader. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, I was cautioned by by of of uh, of all folks, my my eldest son, who is a an active duty army uh, major, who said, "Boy, I don't know if you want to put failure in there in that subtitle." And I thought, well, I more often than not, we fail before we succeed. So that's that's the reason I put it in there because um, we often learn more from failure, don't we, than from our successes. And uh, even though it's uh, uh, sometimes a painful process, um, it it tends to educate us and and provide some. Uh, fortitude for us as we go forward when we've experienced failure. So I have, I'm sure many of our listeners have have had failures in their professional lives that we hopefully learn from and uh, and turn into successes. So that's why, that's why the subtitle. That's great. Well, how to fail. I mean, most of us don't need the how to, but it sounds <laughs> yeah. like it's how to survive the failure is where yeah. you're going with that. For some of us, it comes naturally, I'm afraid. Well, I think for everybody, this some people don't want to own up to it, but uh, I'll own it. Uh, I guess you probably would too. Yeah. Well, it's nearing the end of the baseball season, and I wanted to ask you about one chapter title that caught my eye. It's sixty forty two sixty, and you use the baseball standings as a metaphor. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Well, I'm uh, a lifelong baseball fan, and particularly a Phillies fan. So life has been challenging for me at times and difficult as a Phillies fan, but. Uh, one thing that I had noticed, and, and I, I don't know if someone else pointed this out to me years ago or it just came across, but if you if one were to look at the baseball standings um, at any any year at the end of the year, uh, you'll notice that uh, out of a 162 game season, um, both the first place and the last place team in that division will have won 60 games. 
both the first place and the last place team in that division will have lost 60 games, which is interesting to me because it shows that the difference between first place and last place is only about uh, 25% or so. It's those other 42 games. And it, it, it speaks to me in terms of opportunity and that every game is important. Every encounter that we have in our lives, whether it's professional or personal lives, is important. And you just don't know how important they are until the end of the season, so to speak. So it's 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 a long season to be sure, but the difference between first and last place is only is is only twenty five percent of the time, twenty five percent of the wins, or twenty five percent of the games, I should say. And I think it's it's a lesson to all of us that every encounter matters, every encounter uh, should be treated as important, and um, and not just uh, uh, passed off as as uh, routine. Okay, no, that's great. That's wise. I will say, well, I will say, Mac. If excuse the the, yeah, sure. the the difference this year is that the Orioles, my second favorite team, unfortunately haven't even hit sixty games this year. They they've only won forty seven. So there goes my theory. I might well, have to change true. the title. To change the title of the book. But in all fairness, they just dumped the manager. So I guess you know well, that's the punishment. Right? So much, so much for watering rocks. <laughs> well, but I mean, couldn't that be another great example? Is that maybe this team is full of rocks and it's time to either replace the rocks or replace the person that carries the water. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Well, at least your Ravens don't suck too badly. Redskins, I don't know. Oh, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm still on oh, the high well, from, from the Super Bowl. So, you know. Well, we're still on the high here in Middle Tennessee from the uh, beating they took uh, last Sunday, but I guess we shouldn't talk yeah. about Can we talk about yet. something else now? Let's talk about something else. Give us some. Give us a little space here. We don't get to celebrate much here. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, on location now, uh, I'm here in Middle Tennessee. You live in the D.C. metro area. And so as anybody who has lived in the area knows, the traffic there is legendary and it's mm-hmm. awful. And so you would consider yourself a road warrior. Um, and so making the trip to and from work for you is probably as long as the job. And one of your chapters is called The Drive of the Leader. You have some interesting input on road signs. Tell us about that. Well, yes, and and fortunately, I'm I'm not I'm not forced to make that long trek uh, uh, these days. But I did for for a couple of decades, and before that, when I was still on active duty, living uh, in uh, Central Virginia and, and Northern Virginia, driving up to the Pentagon and other places. So I did become a, a road warrior, so to speak, and. And, and it, just, it just occurred to me as I'm making these treks back and forth every day, sometimes 90 minutes or two hours each way, um, as I'm looking at these various road signs, I started to, to think of them in different terms and maybe uh, use those words and those warnings on the road signs, uh, again, as a metaphor for our work life. So I started jotting them down and had, had my wife write them down as we were driving back and forth uh, on, on longer trips as well. And um, they, I think they offer some advice and wisdom if we, if we take the time to, to look at them. Uh, you know, signs like yield uh, can remind us of the importance uh, to not always having the last word or having to win every argument. Wrong way um, speaks for itself, I think. Uh, we can benefit from uh, the caution of, you know, not going down the wrong path, certainly blindly uh, in our professional lives. Stay in your lane. I think that's my favorite. Yeah, we hear this term used a lot, you know, stay in your lane and, and, you know, do what you do and don't cross over into someone else's lane, so to speak. And, and that happens. And sometimes it's justified. Often it's not, but you know, we, in those, in those, uh, on those road signs, we have the double yellow line and we have the dash yellow line. So that tells me there are times when it's appropriate to pass and to get in that other lane, but you should, you should get back and stay 
consistent with what your job uh, requires. Um, there are so many others, you know, speed bumps, uh, fog area, rest area. They all they all connotate um, some good advice, I think, for those of us who are in the workforce that sometimes we need to rest, sometimes we need to recreate. Uh, we are often in a foggy area. We don't know what's right or wrong, what's good or bad, what's up or down, and we have to rely on our best judgment, our experience, the advice of others, um, and sometimes simply how we were raised. Uh, we're all going to hit speed bumps, and and sometimes that's that's we we don't we don't recognize a speed bump for what it is. We think it's a wall, and we can't go around it when it's really just a speed bump. I I talk about obstacle illusions in the book as well. That so many things that we think are obstacles really are not. We just haven't figured out how to negotiate them yet. And uh, and often, more often than not, I think we need the help of others and and counsel from others, whether it's our boss or our colleagues uh, or our family. So that that was the the genesis of the the road sign analogy. No, that's really really helpful, and uh, and probably a much better use of time uh, sitting in the traffic uh, <laughs> to be able to reflect on that. But I love the idea of taking some time out, even if it's sitting in traffic, to reflect and and kind of just sort of comprehend who am I as a leader and what are some of my challenges. Now, you've got a chapter at the end of your book that is really just a whole bunch of words of wisdom. And I was wondering if you might be able to share of your, a few of your favorites with us. Well, yeah. Th- and this is, you know, uh, my attempt to kind of capture a lot of other things that really didn't warrant a chapter, but things that I have picked up over the years and um, certainly not all my own, but uh, I've, I've stolen liberally from others. I just can't remember all of the authors and, and, uh, or people I've encountered along the way, but I, I think that uh, that they they offer I, I'll call it words of wisdom. That's that's generous, um, but some good advice. And and one of my uh, one of my favorites has been to to tell the story about Oreos, and I do this often when I speak. <clears throat> and you know everybody knows about Oreo cookies. Not everybody knows that they are the best selling cookie in the world. And and uh, I've been saying that for a number of years. And I finally looked it up, and I was. I was proven right, thank thank goodness. Um, and yet they they advertise on television, and uh, and I thought, well, why does Oreo cookie advertise on television? You know, you go down the aisle at the store and you see Oreos and you put them in your basket. It's not because you saw them advertised; it's because you know how good they are. And if if you're old enough to remember the old packaging that uh, that the Nabisco company had, it was all cellophane, and it was noisy and messy. And once you open that cellophane container of Oreos, you were committed. Boy, you you had two choices. You were either going to, you know, find some Tupperware or you were going to do as I usually did, and that's just eat the whole eat the whole container. Uh, but now they've they've got a new new package. And I think we're all familiar with it where it's this easy pull, very quiet tab that when you go down to the kitchen at 11 o'clock at night, you can pull that back and nobody can hear you and you can reach in and get three or four or 15 cookies and rearrange the rest so nobody can tell you're in there and close it back up again. And I thought, well, again, Oreo cookies, best-selling cookie in the world. And they innovated and they rebranded. And to me, that, that says something about what we should be thinking as professionals in the workforce, that there are times when when we need to advertise, we need to speak about ourselves, we need to do it with humility, but we still need to be able to tell our own story. And we talk about that when we're talking about career transitions for the military members as well. And we also need to consider when, when it's time to rebrand and and step out of our comfort zone and do something different or do something differently. 
and and as Oreos have done, and that's to repackage yourself. Uh, it, now, it didn't make the cookie any better. It probably didn't improve sales very much because I don't think they could go any higher. But it it met a, it met a need um, for the for the public for their for their consumers. So that was one. Um, you know, there are several others. I've talked about the respecting the organization chart, and very simply, what I mean by that is that we often. In an organization, we stumble and bumble into one another and we get in each other's lanes, as I said earlier. And it's not always because people don't like each other or there's animosity or there's confusion necessarily, but sometimes it's because either the organization chart and the the system we have established is wrong and we're following uh, an incorrect org chart, so to speak, and process chart, or it's correct and we're just not following it. It's usually one or the other. And when we have structural problems, uh, that often leads to behavioral uh, problems as well. A, a mutual friend of ours, uh, you remember Dave Gerber, taught me that years ago, that uh, so many problems that we face are not personal. They're not even professionally um, oriented. It's because we, we're not in the right structure. And that leads to, to problems down the road. Um, and one other I'll just throw out is, is I talk, you know, we always talk about, you know, the ladder of success and, and climbing up your ladder and use that metaphor a lot. And, um, and I, I guess I've discovered over time that some people might climb that ladder and get to the top of that ladder and then realize that ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. And they got to the top of, of a game, but not the game that they really wanted to play. And they've lived a whole life, spent a whole career, and achieved success, but it's it's not in the area that they really, really wanted, though they didn't perhaps recognize that at the time. So I caution folks to to uh, to make sure that your ladder is leaning against the right wall before you start that long, arduous climb. No, that's great. Great pieces of advice and, and great metaphors as well. Well, here's a question that as you were talking, I thought about, and maybe you can um, give us an answer with this one. You do work with groups of folks that are transitioning out of the military. And so I'm kind of curious from your perspective, um, how does leadership inside of the military translate to leadership outside of the military uh, as just something, because I do have an audience, uh, several of them are in transition. I do some work with the um, Hiring Our Heroes program up Mm -hmm. in Clarksville. And I'm just wondering if they're listening in, what can you recommend just from where you sit? Well, in terms of leadership, I think there's a direct correlation and translation from what we learn in the military to how we can apply that outside the military and civilian workforce, whether it's in business or working for yourself or um, <clears throat> working in a, in a government um, assignment that's not the military. Um, we, we're very fortunate as as military members or, and veterans to have been perhaps to the best leadership schools uh, in the world, um, where you not only taught the principles of leadership, but you're given ample opportunity to practice what you've learned and to fail <laughs> before you succeed. Um, I think the the notion of of responsibility to your next higher authority of of um, uh, respect for authority. Um, not blind, uh, res- not blind um, it, it, it allegiance, but but healthy respect for the positions of authority, and doing what you're expected to do, to um, to have a, a responsibility for those in your charge. I mean, nothing is more important as a leader than the responsibility that that you're given for those 
um, for whom you serve as a servant leader. And, uh, and you can't, you can't take that too lightly that those people who, who work for you and look to you as, as a leader um, depend on you a great deal, perhaps more than you recognize, and will remember you uh, during their their lives while they're climbing their ladder. And you know, if that all that is, do you want to be remembered for the good or the bad as a as an example or as a warning? Uh, because our what we do in terms of our leadership, we did it in the military, we do it now. Well will have long-lasting consequences for so many people. So you've got to be very careful that you that you exercise it properly. And I think we're taught that in the military. And I think, that's, as I said, that certainly resonates in the civilian workforce as well. Don't abandon what you've learned in the military. Those principles are solid. They're based on, uh, on solid principles. And uh, though they may be applied a little differently in the civilian marketplace, uh, again, principles are principles and, uh, and they, they tend to work. That's great. Well, it's it's interesting. One of my previous guests, Mike Staver, said in his book, as a leader, you're messing with people's lives. And so uh, maybe even a, a more extreme there. Now, you, you do have a, a pretty, I'm not saying that you're old. I'll just say you have a really, <laughs> really extensive amount of experience. And I wonder if you could think back and maybe and tell us about maybe one leader that either you have personally experienced working with or you've read about or studied that really stands out to you as a great leader? Yeah, well, that's that's a, an interesting question. And, um, uh, you know, as one who has lived a while and been in the workforce one way or the other for over 40 years, you can imagine there are several leaders that might come to mind um, for, and for various reasons, both uh, in the private sector and and from my time in the military. I'll tell you one that, that leaps to mind. And that is uh, um, a former a former superintendent at the Military Academy at West Point. I was privileged to serve on the staff there for a number of years, many years ago before I retired. And um, my boss's boss then was was a guy named Lieutenant General, three-star General Dan Chrisman. And uh, I hope you won't mind my uh, invoking his name, but uh, he he to me stands out as as a model leader, and for so many reasons, I we don't have time to go into all of the reasons I would choose him as a as a role model. Uh, I'm still in touch with him. Um, uh, he calls me Dave, and I call him Sir. You know that's how that goes. <clears throat> uh, but General Crispin, and I mentioned him in my book as well. Um, now that now that that comes up in a very short chapter called Quiet Leadership, where he just exhibited. Um, with, without any pomp and circumstance, how a good leader should should carry himself or herself in certain situations, and and uh, you know he he was he was a quiet man, still is, still with us, fortunately. He's a quiet man, uh, dignified, uh, brilliant person. But beyond that, he is just a a person that you want to be around, and. I think that's one of the tenets of good leadership. Do people want to be around you or do they want to escape your presence? And everybody wanted to be around General Crispin because he was so um, uh, so welcoming and, and able to take the time to talk with anybody, no matter how junior they were or how senior they were or how much time he had. He always made time and still does. I still see him uh, now and again, and he is still the same uh, wonderful, gregarious, fine man that I, that I knew 20 years ago. No, I love that. Uh, I can think of plenty of the people I worked around when we'd see them come and we'd scatter in the opposite direction. So <laughs> yeah. I, that's they're, a pretty good standard. <laughs> Imagine they still are. Yeah, they certainly are in my world. I can tell you that. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Well, one more question I have for you, and, and this is I want you to kind of reflect back on your journey up to this point. And now as you're looking forward, in your opinion, what do you see as the greatest challenges that leaders might be facing in, let's say, the next five years? Wow, that's uh, there, are, there are many of those, I'm sure. Um, and it's, it's hard to look, uh, look into the future with, with too much clarity. But I, I would say that some of the challenges that leaders face are, are the, the workforce itself uh, and m- remaining relevant uh, as a leader to a younger workforce, uh, dealing with social media and all that it entails, and and having being able to lead and to get capture the attention of those that you lead, while social media and all those other uh, voices are bombarding people and your your subordinates and your colleagues with other information that may not be in concert with 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 your professing. Um, I think uh, the workforce is getting more and more intelligent uh, and and uh, capable. Uh, people are smarter, I think now. Young people are smarter now than they were um, when I was coming up and probably before that, at least it appears so. Uh, they're certainly technolo- uh, technologically savvy. And um, I, I think we have to, you know, we have to understand, uh, you know, how people, how people learn and how people need to be um, recognized and rewarded and counseled. And um, you know, it's not one size fits all. I think that's been true through the ages. But certainly going forward to the next five years or so, I think it's important that we recognize that everybody is different and what's good for one, it may not be good for the other. And that's what makes good leaders um, perhaps more rare than they should be. And that's you've got to get inside the head of the people that report to you and understand what their trials and tribulations are, what what they're uh, facing in life, what they're going through, what what floats their boat and what doesn't, you know, maybe it's a pay raise for one, but it's a seat at the table or a new title for another. And, you know, may, perhaps in the past, many years ago, that wasn't as important. But I think now um, with the younger workforce and, the, and and what they know and how smart they are, we, we really have to pay more attention to them and less attention to ourselves and, and get inside their head so we can help them progress and reward them uh, accordingly, counsel them when they need it so they can be as good as they can be. Well, that's good. I, I, I was really hoping you weren't going to give us gloom and doom because then I might have just packed up and quit doing <laughs> what I'm doing. So it sounds like challenging, but maybe just by focusing on relationships, some of this stuff takes care of itself. And uh, and, and I appreciate the input. Well, I, I would I would offer that relationships are the are the basis for everything that we we do in life. You know, you, there are a lot of people that are smart, a lot of people that are lucky. Um, and lo- people that are lucky and smart, but everything seems to me anyway, seems to come down to what relationships you've forged over the years and who you maintain contact with and who you, who you value as, as somebody in your, in your circle and, and the importance of not only establishing, but maintaining those relationships can come back and help you it also gives you a chance to help them and those in their circle. And I think that's what, that's what life's all about. Oh, I would agree. That's great. Well, Dave, we've really enjoyed having you on the show. Before we let you go, how can people, first of all, buy a copy of your book? And secondly, how can my audience engage you to come out and maybe speak at their event or uh, be a resource for them? Well, thanks for that opportunity. I'd, I'd love to be able to uh, to come out and do um, uh, some training or keynotes uh, if, if folks would find that interesting. The uh, My website is www 
www.davemauerconsulting.com. That's D-A-V-E-M-A-U-R-E-R consulting.com. And you can also reach me by phone at 540-845-1618. And I would, uh, I'd love to hear from you and, and get your uh, impressions of, uh, of the book and, uh, and hopefully come out and meet you and your audience. That's great. Well, Dave, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with us today. And best of luck as you push forward in, in your many endeavors. My pleasure, Mac. Thanks again for the opportunity and good luck to you as well. Well, again, thank you so much to our guest, Dave Maurer, again, the author of Watering Rocks, How to Fail and Succeed as a Leader. Again, please reach out to Dave. He's a great guy. DaveMaurerConsulting.com to contact him and also get a copy of his book. You know, here at Boss Builders, we pride ourselves on the resources that we have to help you, the newly promoted boss, the boss who's in the role and is really struggling. Those of you who are looking to get into the role, resources, of course, done through your organization. We offer actually three new offerings now. The first is something we've had for a while, which is our on-site workshops. One of our certified facilitators comes to your site and will actually go through four solid days of material, which can be broken up any way you like, of how to be a great boss. Second thing we offer is our famous Boss Builder Academy, which is our video-driven series with the accompanying roundtables. And we've also just recently reached an agreement where we can now license our material so that you can have your internal trainers actually teach the boss builder materials, helping bosses become better bosses with your own trainers on site. For more information on how to do that, of course, contact us at 931-221-2988, or you can reach us always and get more information at thebossbuilders.com. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up and boss on. Goodbye. You've been listening to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast with Mac Monroe. To get more information on being a great boss, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com or at Mac's blog, macmonroe.com. Until next time, get out there and be a great boss.